Happy New Year. Good morning. It is good to be right here this morning, always. Best thing about it is I've got a whole new year to preach a bunch of new sermons. Amen? Amen. Lord willing, that is. Thank you. So, next week we're going to uh, shift gears a little bit next week and... Uh, we're going to start talking about our teams and about the vision for the new year and what's coming up. So uh, try to be here next year. We'll, uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to talk too much about that day because I've got, really got a wonderful sermon. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best not to lose my voice. If I do, I'll just shout a little louder. But I feel really excited about being here today. Are you guys excited about being here today? I mean, I, I've, I've been here since like 6 o'clock this morning. I've I just been like, come on, come on, I'm ready to go. It's, I'm ready. You know, I'm just ready. I think the Lord is ready for us to learn something new. And uh, a message I have for you today is, uh, is the best day ever. You know, I, we, I preached a sermon last year, called, last year called The Best Day Ever. So I just said, well, we'll just do that every January. This is the best day ever. But you know what? I, I, it, it, it's called tightrope. And I, I, in order to understand how to have a, the best day ever and then to, to transform that into the best week ever, the best month ever, the best year ever, and the best life ever, there's some things we got to do, right? You know, I, I, one, thing I, one thing I really I frown on is when people keep whining and crying about their lives. Because you don't have to do that. You don't. So today we're going we're gonna to kind of walk this tightrope, and, and, and you think I won't get on that tightrope? Well, we'll just see. So... Oh, man. I, I got my mind so full of stuff. I'm trying to figure out where to start, what to give you, and what not to give you. Does anybody care about time today? No. No, I, I preached short last week. If you weren't here last week, you missed the short sermon. Somebody said, why'd you preach so short for? And I said, oh, it's Christmas. Uh, so, uh, Blackwell, how about you? You care about time so much today? <laughs> That's because he's old. He's got much time left. I'll set you up, John. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm right. I know. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a wonderful uh, new year, Father. We thank you that we're, we're here on the very first day of a brand new year, Lord. And Lord, there's some that's not here today and they're out vacationing and and, and running around the, uh, the country and with family and friends, we ask you to bless them also, Lord, that, that you bring them back safely next week. And, and Father, that, that you just continue to, to take uh, the crossing where you want it to go, Father. And uh, Lord, we just ask you to bless today. Uh, you put a lot of excitement in my heart for this message. And, and Lord, I just ask that I can convey it in the way that you asked me to do it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's a story in the New Testament in the book of Matthew. And every one of you, well, probably most of you here, have heard about it. And, and you've, I mean, you've read about it, and it's kind of one of them stories everybody knows about. Uh, but uh, uh, the Lord asked me to go to this, uh, this uh, history lesson today uh, to give you something. And it's when uh, Peter walked on water. And everybody heard that story about the storms and Peter walked on water? Yeah, yeah I know it. I know I've heard that too. And, and it's like I, the Lord has kind of opened me up to, to a new way of looking at that. And so I want to share that with you today. And uh, we got a, a, I call it a tightrope because of... Uh, uh, our lives, that tightrope represents your calling, your ministry. Uh, and uh, Peter had a calling, and so did all the disciples. But there were so many things they had to get in order 
in, in place in their lives. And Jesus was so merciful and graceful that he allowed the storms to come up in our lives so we can see where we need to change our lives. Does that make sense to y'all? It does, don't it? It, 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 he's, he's merciful and graceful in that because, see, he really wants you to have the best life ever. But it's got to start with the best day ever. And so that's where we're going to start again this day. You know, I'm going to do my best all year, all year just to have a, a wonderful time. No matter what's going to matter, how bad Blackwell looks, I'm going to have a wonderful time. No matter the frowns on his face or anybody, I'm still going to, you're not going to monkey with my best day, all right? I'm not going to, I'm, I don't want that to happen. Because, see, I, I, the Lord gave me these seven keys, and we're going to talk about that through the sermon. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to cut this sermon short. This sermon short. So if I get, if I get to about 2 o'clock, nobody cares, Bill. Now, if I get a little too long, I'm going to stop, and we'll start it back up next week because I'm not going to cut it short, although it is not very many verses. So we got seven keys, and we have the tightrope. We're going to talk about those keys to having a best life ever. You know, when I die, I go on to have a better life. Isn't that something? I, I have a wonderful life now, but when I die, I can't even imagine the life I'm going to have. It is so, it is so beautiful. See, and, and, and one of this, on this tightrope is I've got to get out, and I've got to take that step, but down on the other end is my victory. Amen? This is just my calling. This is just my, my walk through this life. But that is my home. Now, I don't know where I am on this, on this calling. I could be way over here just about then. I don't know. Or I could be way back here somewhere. I don't know how much, how much longer God's got me out of here. But I know one thing. I want to keep on my rope. I want to stay on that rope. I want to use the seven keys that I'm going to give you today, and I want to have the best life ever. Does that sound like fun? It does, doesn't it? Let me see if we can get going here. I'm not up yet, John. Are you up up there? Yeah, we're up up there. Here we go. In order to have the best day ever, I want, hold on to this right where I'm going to give you right here. In, whole, in, in order to have the best day ever, the best life ever, you, your value is not in your position. Let me stop right there. See, your value, whatever you consider your life, whatever, whatever you're doing in your life, the position that you have in your life, that's not where your value is at. But it is in the message you proclaim. That makes sense, y'all? See, I, I can say I have great value or, or the position I'm in is a, a wonderful position or it's a terrible position. It doesn't matter. It's the message you proclaim. It doesn't matter what's taking place in your life. It's the message you proclaim that's going on inside your life that matters. Amen? That's what matters. And that's what should excite you is what God's doing in your life. I don't want to see Christians not excited about God. I don't want to see Christians say, well, I may miss Sunday for whatever. Oh, let me see, my finger hurts, I'll miss. I don't want that. And to be frank with you, if that's your, if that's your case, there's another church down the road. Just go on. So I'm not about growing the church. I'm about growing the kingdom of God and allowing you to have the best day ever. I don't care if we got a full house or a small house. So I do care. I want everybody here. But I want you here for the right reasons. I want you to get involved with God. Not, not, not just the church, but involved with God. Because, see, I'm telling you, that's where the excitement is. When you can open up the word of the God every morning and the, the love and the grace just pours out upon you. See, I'm, I know I'm not alone in this because I see it all over the place. But it starts with this, these keys that we'll talk about. 
So let me read this one more time. The best, they order to have the best day ever. Hold on to this. Your value is not in your position in your life, but in the message you proclaim. I hope that makes sense to you. One best day ever is just not enough. See, I don't want just one. I want a continual, continual time with that. And, and the only way I can do that continual best day is have that continual relationship with my Lord. Everybody agree with that? Give me something. All right. I have this continual relationship. What if you could have the best day ever, after one after another, until you had your best year ever, and then the best life ever? See, that's what... I believe a Christian life is all about is a continual love affair with Jesus Christ. Now I know when you, I know Lucy and Rory there, they're a great couple, they've been married many, many years. But I know Lucy can get a little way some way, so can Roy. And so some days, like me and Vicky, some days aren't so grand jour. Anybody have that problem? Well, I may have not a grand jour day with Vicky but I can still have a grand as your day with the Lord. Amen? I can't let that position in my life interfere with my walk. Oh, Brent, don't only laugh here. It's the truth. In Matthew 14, we're going to start this, this uh, history lesson. Now, Jesus said, here's the picture. Jesus had just said, fed 5,000, probably more like 15,000, 20,000 people, maybe more than that because there was a lot of kids back then. And it's called, of course, the 5,000. The few, it says the Bible, Jesus fed 5,000, but that's just the men. They just count the men. So we know there's a lot more than he fed that day with 12 loaves or 12 baskets of food. And so that was what was taking place. Can you imagine all these people, they're, they're on a walk heading to Jerusalem for Passover and, and, and no, no food or anything. And all of a sudden, all these people, they get all they want to eat. I mean, they pull up to the McDonald's, and McDonald's says, just have all you want. Now, I mean, I don't care about that, but if I pulled up to Gray's over there, I probably wouldn't mind that too bad. But just have all you want. Have, but make sure you pick up all the crumbs, but have all you want. And that's, what, that's what God, he just says, I want to give you all that you want. And he will. And that's, that, I can't think of a better day than to understand that God wants to give me all I want. Now, he won't give me more than I want, although he'll, he'll guide me and direct me, but, but I, I, he's going to take you where you want to go. I fought and kicked and screamed about opening up a church and being a pastor, but I finally got here. I finally got here. So let's, let's the line is that they just got done feeding these 5,000, and so everybody had a beautiful I mean, wonderful day. I mean, you couldn't really ask for a better day. It was so wonderful. But Jesus has got more for you. See, we think we just get this one day off. It's one day is great. That'd be good. See, Jesus has got more and more and more. You just stop with that one day. That's, that's my Lord. That's my God. And so Jesus knows exactly what's going to take place. One of the, the biggest miracles in the Bible is Jesus walking on water. It's just you don't get much better than that. I mean, the man, the 100% God, the 100% man is walking on water, not only just water, but in a storm that scares people. I mean, a storm that's just blowing and thunder and lightning, but it doesn't seem to affect Jesus at all. Not at all. Because he controls it all. And he, he's revealing something to us here. And he knew what he was going to do with, with his disciples before he ever sent them out. And see, he lets me know, I know because I can read this history and understand that he knows where he's taking me. 
He knows where he's taking me. And he's going to help me understand that in the small ways and the miracle ways and the most wonderful ways imaginable if we'll just pay attention. Isn't that good? And, and we can look at the disciples here in a little bit. They look like they are left alone in, the, in a terrible storm where their lives are at threat. But yet they're not. They're exactly where Jesus wants them to be. You can have great comfort in that, can't you? Some of you have got some lives that are just completely in turmoil. Well, I'm telling you, there's a better way. There's a better way. So in Matthew, we're going to start this in verse 22 of chapter 14. Woo, I'm a little bit excited today. Everybody say, I'm excited. excited. Are you really? Yes. Okay, good. I'm going to have you repeat after me a lot today. So you're really excited? Yes. You really want to get something out of God today? I mean, did you, did you really have a passion to learn something today? Sure, why not? Come on, Lucy, get excited. I mean, get excited. If you're not excited, how are you, you, you going to get excited? We've got to get excited. In verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus met his disciples, <clears throat> made his disciples get into the boat and go before them to the other side while he set, sent the multitudes away. So after he fed the fed 5,000, he's got this plan, and he knows what it's going to be, and he's, <clears throat> these disciples have no idea what I'm getting ready to do for them. They think they've seen it all. They think they've seen 5,000 people being fed by one fish and some bread. They think they've seen it. They haven't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen anything yet. And see, one of the wonderful things about Jesus is it's between him and me. Sometimes nobody else will even see what's going on. You know who saw what happened that night on the water? Jesus and his 12 disciples. Nobody else saw it. Just them. It was for them. But yet it was written down for us because we can be right there with them. Isn't that amazing? That's why these God stories we have, we always need to share our God stories. Because so many people can be encouraged by your God stories. And I'm telling you, God's got things working in your lives around here. They're so wonderful. Some of you, I know what's going on in some of your lives, and I can just see Jesus saying, you're going to see some more, a, a beautiful thing. You're going to see me walk on water. You're going to see so many things if you'll pay attention. Just keep going with him. Just keep going with him. In verse 23, it says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, this is our Lord praying. So one of the, one of the most important things we, we've got to understand is prayer. And it's one of my keys when we get going here is prayer. I mean, I, 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 have I preached on prayer a lot in this church? A lot. Some of you have been here for seven years. I mean, I have pounded on it. Because that I know, see, I know personally... Without prayer, I would come up here and say, how y'all doing? <laughs> I had a great night. Stayed up too late. You want, oh, we've got to open the Bible, right? See, that, that's, that's your lives without prayer. It's just like, I've got to get through this. I, I don't really have a message for you, but I'll make one up. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just wing it today. I'm going to tell you, there ain't no winging it with Jesus. Amen? Amen. And if, if, if he wants that with me and he wants it with his disciples and he even, he even does it for himself about prayer, then I think we all are called to pray. And, and not just a little bit. I mean, if you want to walk this tightrope, if you want to get across where you're going with the victories at the other end, it's going to start with prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Now say it again. Prayer. Hallelujah. Say it again. 
A church can't pray enough. An individual can't pray enough. You got to keep praying. You got to pray it through. Amen? Amen. Even when God's kind of silent in your life, you keep praying through your life. And you don't stop because we don't quit. You keep praying. Jesus prayed. And he was God. He prayed to his Father in heaven. My goodness, that's called a prayer for us. And when he went... He sent the multitudes away. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Everybody say he was alone there. You know why they say he's alone there? Because it's good to get one-on-one with God. Isn't it? It's good to spend time with you and God. I spend time with just me and God a lot. You know what? I love it. I love people, but I love my time with God more. I'm sorry, I just do. I get to writing in that journal. I get to babbling up here. See, I just, I just love it. I get excited about it because, see, those few hours in the morning, oh, yeah, there's 24 hours in a day, right? And 10% of 24 is what? Uh-oh, two hours and 40 minutes. Aren't we called to give 10%? Oh, that's just my money. Who told you that? That's just what you think. So I can't do two hours and 40 or 48 minutes a day or whatever, two hours and 40 minutes a day. Well, I know you can't, but start working on it. Pray through the day. You know, I got to rethink that now, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's pray. And if you get started in the morning, man, that makes that day go good, don't it? It makes that day go wonderful because gee, Jesus knew what was going to happen. And a lot of times you see Jesus praying was always in the morning because he knew what that day was going to lay out in front of him. And he needed that prayer time. In verse 24 it says, wait a minute here, I don't want to miss anything I've written down here. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Let me see here. Verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. But the boat was now, see that, that Jesus knew, the disciples didn't know how Jesus was going to get to the other side. I guess they figured he was going to walk around the other side. But that storm was going like nuts. They were like scared to death. And the, and the boat, when Jesus decided to quit praying, was in the middle of the sea. I mean, he had been praying a long time. It, it, was, it was in the middle of the sea. And there was no way to get to him. And he knew that. But he also knew the storm. He, wanted, he brought this storm up. See, Jesus could bring the storm up because he could take it down. See, sometimes these storms in our lives, they come from God. I hate to tell you, but some of these storms come from God. It's not to harm you. It's to build your, who you are with him. Sometimes we need storms. In fact, a lot of times I need storms. It reveals in my life who Jesus really is. Verse 24, but the boat was was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was what? Yeah. Everybody say, contrary. So the wind was contrary. In other words, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Thunder and lightning. Can you just grab a hold of that in your mind a minute? Now, these disciples just had the best day ever. 
And it goes from the best day ever to what? Like, I'm going to lose my life right now. This boat's going down. I'm on the boat. That means I'm going down. Jesus is nowhere. Where are you, Jesus? He, nowhere around. See, that's the first thing our mind does is, is try to say, where's God in my storm? Well, he's coming. He's coming. You just got to let him understand the storm first. He's coming. He's coming. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. They were scared to death. In verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. That means late in the night. Jesus is out, went to them. Now, how did he go to them? He didn't get in a little boat, did he? he how is he going to go? The only way he wants to go, the exact way he wants to go. He wants to reveal something to them they've never seen in their life. So you say, well, I know about this story. Do you really know? Do you really know that in the storms of your life that Jesus wants to reveal something so powerful that it will be with you for eternity? And that people will hear that story passed down maybe throughout your family's lives because of the miracle that he wants to do in your life. Now that he wants to show you where you're at with him. Everybody say walking on the sea. So what was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? He was coming to him, wasn't he? He was walking on the sea, and he was heading out. It didn't say he was running. It says he was walking. Now, he could have ran if he wanted to, but it was walking on the sea. He needed them to get the full extent of the storm, but he was coming to them. I'm going to tell you something. You've got to know. You've got to believe that. He's coming to you. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't stop. How many times have you heard me say that in this church? Thousands? If I can tell you some of you new Christians out there, some of you that aren't even Christians yet, just thinking about it. If I can tell you one thing throughout your entire life, don't quit. And don't settle for less than what God wants to give you. Amen? Because why? what's God want to give me? I don't know. But I'm telling you, don't settle for less than what God wants to give you. In other words, get a hold of God. And let him grab a hold of you. And let him show you everything he wants you to have. I don't want to settle. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to leave any blessings behind. I don't want to. And I, I've got this understanding of how to, to figure this out, how to find this. And it's not really a whole lot to do with me, but it's everything to do with him. It's called a relationship. It's called getting involved with my Lord. In verse 25, now the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. In verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Everybody say they were troubled. They were troubled. Are you troubled when your storm comes up? Absolutely, you're troubled. And he's saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear or for fear. Everybody say they cried out. They cried out. Can everybody relate that to with your own life? Sure you can. Sure you can. See, you think, well, this is just a story you hear. It's kind of like a fairy tale or something. No, it's, it's your life. It is your life. And Jesus is trying to bless us by showing us we're right there in that boat. We're right there. And he goes, look at that. He says, says there in 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, 
It is a ghost. There's a ghost. They don't know where Jesus is at, but here he comes. He's a walking on the sea. They're scared. And they cried out for fear in verse 27, but immediately. Everybody say, but immediately. But immediately. But, see, but immediately Jesus spoke to them. See, Jesus knows the exact moment to speak to you. And he knows the exact thing he's going to do for you. He knows how much you can take. He knows how much he'll help you through it. And when he's ready to speak to you, it will be immediately according to God. Maybe not according to you, but immediately. He will not miss it. You will not miss it. It's immediately. And Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. Now, wait a minute. They got, they, got, they got Jesus walking on water. Just take that in for a minute. I mean, just, just take that in. I mean, the storm's blowing, the lightning, they got lightning striking, and they see this figure of a man walking on water. Of course, they're scared. I'd be scared to death. Bill, you'd be scared to death. I know Blackwell, he'd be hiding under the chairs. You'd be scared because you, you can't understand this. It's impossible. It's impossible. But that's what Jesus is all about, isn't it? Making the impossible possible. You know what else is impossible? For me to preach. It was impossible. Completely. 100%. In, blah, 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 make it. Blah, Million percent impossible. Impossible. Where's Vicky? Vicky, say impossible. Louder, Vic. Thank you, Vic. In fact, she might add a few other words like you're nuts. Yeah. Impossible. <laughs> Learning the word of God. With my, my vocabulary and my mindset, impossible. Comprehending words, I can't even hear words in my ears, but impossible turned to possible. Amen? So I've seen this in my own life, and you have too. He has made the impossible possible over and over and over again. Everybody say, I believe that. Am I lying to you? Oh, I'm not. Some of you are at the, at the end of your life, man. You're at the end of a rope. You're just like, I can't do this anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You need to step out on the rope. And you need to let God do what's possible from the impossible. He had to let the disciples see this miracle. Because he had so much more for them in their life. This wasn't the beginning and it wasn't the end. This is just a part of that, that tightrope of walking where God wants to take you. It's just a beginning of a miracle that he wants to do in your life. And he wants to let you have it for the rest of your life. In the beginning of my walk many, many years ago, I can remember the simplest little things that I went out on faith on. And God, oh, whether it was any, it could be so many things. And he would just show me over and over and over again. That no matter how big it is or how small it is, if you'll just let your faith take that step, he'll show you the possible from the impossible. And that's how I got here. It took a long time. It took a lot of stress on Vicky's part. It took a lot of sleepless nights on my part. But I never quit. The disciples would be scared to death at times where they wanted to quit. But they didn't. 
And they all went to a martyr's death except for John. All of them went to a martyr's death. I've asked this question before because they see they knew who Jesus was. They saw him walking on water. They saw the miracles after miracle after miracle and they took it in their lives. If Jesus isn't the son of God, if Jesus didn't rise, raise from the dead, would you have done all they done for a lie? Would you have spent the rest of your life and let yourself be martyred on some of them crucified and, and, and stabbed with swords and heads? Would you allow that to happen in your life? Would you allow that to happen to your family if Jesus was a lie? Of course not. Of course not. So all these things were for their future and for that day because Jesus wanted them to have the best life ever. They just had the best day. Now, even in the storm, Jesus is going to give them another wonderful day. Amen. Isn't this great? Am I the only one enjoying this? Come on, give me something. This is good stuff. This is good. It's a ghost. Can't you just see their fear? It's a ghost. The storm's not bad enough, God. You're going to send a ghost to us now. I didn't need that, God. I needed you. He says, just hang on, I'm coming. And they cried out for fear. That's what it says. That's who they were. That's what they're going on that night. But God knew everything about it. He knew all about it because it was him walking on water. And he allowed it to happen. Verse 27, it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Wow, what a wonderful time in your life. And you think, man, I had some good days with Jesus, but it ain't like this one, amen? Now, I've had some good prayer times with Jesus. I've had some good ones, but you know, I got good ones coming, amen? I know I got the impossible going to be possible coming. I don't know where God's taking me. I don't know how long I'll be in this church, but I know one thing, the impossible's coming. I know it. I know it. I know it. What a life to live, Amen? Am I rattling too much for you? Let me see how much time I got. Oh, I got plenty. John Blackwell, I got plenty of time, buddy. The seven keys. Now, you realize, John, we got started late, right? Yeah. The seven keys. Now, this is something the other day I was praying over this sermon, and, and to be honest with you, I could go a lot of different places with this sermon I thought about Nehemiah. I thought about a lot of places, and God just kept directing me back to Matthew 14 and, the, and walking on the water. And that's where we ended up today. But the seven keys. You've got to have seven keys, in my opinion, from my understanding of the Word of God. And it's not, a, it's not something that you have to do. It's something you fall in love with. Amen? It becomes part of who we are. It becomes part of my walk with God. It becomes part of my life. It's not something, well, I've got to check off the seven keys today. No, it becomes you. Amen. It becomes who you are. Everybody say, okay. All right. Does everybody say, I agree with you? Okay, so now you got to do it. Right. The first key is the cross in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the first key to having the best life ever. Bill, would you agree with me on that one? If you don't have this key, you're, you're, you're in trouble. I mean, you're out. Oh, 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 let me show you 
what it means if you don't have this key. <laughs> now, I got a tightrope up there. I got to do my stretches, John. This is my balance stick. We could call it the Holy Spirit if you like. I got to have the Holy Spirit, don't I? Why not? What? Brad, will you pick me up? Oh, ladder, hold still. Now I just got to get up here and climb on this rope. Peter had to climb out of the boat. Well, I didn't have, I didn't have no water bill. I had to use the rope. Peter had to climb up, get out of that boat, right? So I made this tightrope because, see, I got to make that first step. Now, if I get on this, what's going to happen? Oh, I'm going to look like a what? A fool. Oh. Oh. I mean, Christians look like fools. I mean, Christians try to get out in the ministry without the first key. They get on a rope like this. Now I know that speaker's going, going sailing, and I know Donna's coming down to pound on my head. She's little, but she's mighty. That's Rory, he'll tell you. And then that thing's going to come up here and hit me on the other side of the head. So I know I can't get up here. But yet so many Christians do. Or don't they? Don't they? Am I the only one thinking this way? They get up here, and they think they're going to walk this, and, and the whole world's going to... Look at them and say, oh, they're powerful Christians. No, you're not. You're laying on the ground. You look like a silly person. You're a fool. You can't get up there without the first key. Does that make all sense to you? If that thing was secure, which we could talk about that more, if I wanted to, but I won't, I still couldn't get up there. I, I, can't, I can't get up there. I don't have the ability. It's impossible for me. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's like my ministry. <laughs> isn't it? That's like some of your lives, isn't it? It's impossible, but it's not. Your faith is not where God wants it to be. See, but, but once you get up there and you trust God, do you think God can hold that rope tight for me? Absolutely. You know why? He's my security. Everybody say, God's my security. He is. You know who the safety net is? The Holy Spirit is my safety net, too. Amen? And that safety net brings mercy and grace. So the first key is the cross. Everybody say, hey, I'm okay with time. Rick, you okay with time? Thank you. Dale, you okay with time? All right. You got to be. This is fun. Okay, so the, the first one is, is the cross. Now, I would like a volunteer to come up here, please. I'm not going to ask much out of you. That got to be somebody a little older. I'm sorry, Corbin. Well, Corbin, would you hand that to Todd? And Todd, would you tie that on that rope about right here somewhere? Oh, just tie it up there, Todd. Now, the second key we've talked about is the key of prayer. Amen? Amen? Now, see, if I got Jesus Christ in my life and I believe in that cross, guess what I'm doing? I'm a-praying. Amen? Doesn't that make sense? Prayer, doesn't that make sense? I'm praying. Why? Because I've got a relationship with God. Why wouldn't I want to talk to him? So I'm praying. That, that's my second key to having the best life ever. Todd, where'd you go? Right here. Corbin, where'd you go? Got involved Corbin now. 
Corbin, would you hand this to Todd? Uh, thanks, sir. Now, Corbin, you stay right. You sit right there, right there. Okay. The third key is trust. Amen? Trust. Now, I've got the cross. I've got the prayer life. Now, I've got to trust in the cross. I've got to trust in my prayer life. Amen? I've got to trust in that. I mean, that's a key to having the best life ever is the cross, the prayer, and the trust. You can't have the trust if you don't have the cross or the prayer. Does that make sense to you all? Okay, so, so that, record them, go. Hand that to him, please. My fourth key is faith. Amen? See, I, I've got the cross. I'm going to forget some of this words over with. I've got the cross. I've got the prayer life. I've got the trust. Now I've got to have faith in all that. Amen? Does that make sense? That's a key to my life. Now I can't have faith if I don't have the other three. That makes no sense. That makes me a fool on top of a rope that's going to fall. Well, Jesus didn't work for me. Well, did you try the seven keys? What's that? Well, how about the cross? And how about the prayer? And how about the trust? And how about the faith? Corbin, you're such good help. The fifth one. Is that five? Yeah, it is. Now, this is one of the toughest ones. Some of you say, I got the cross. I believe in the cross. And I'll even pray once in a while. Well, let me know when you're up to two hours and 40 minutes, will you? Because you belong on the prayer team. Amen, Bill? We need some prayer warriors. Bill, raise your hand. Bill, real heads up our prayer team. We need some prayer warriors on the prayer team. And you got to get your lives right to get on that prayer team. Amen? Because prayer is the most powerful thing in your life, the most powerful thing in the church. Everybody paying attention to me now? Anybody bored? Five. The fifth key is obedience. One of the hardest ones we deal with is obedience. Now I've got my, I believe in the cross, I believe in the prayer life, I've got the trust and I've got the faith. I've got to have obedience when God speaks to me, amen? When he says the storm's coming, will you get out of the boat? Will you get on the tightrope? I'm going to hold it for you, but will you get out? That's obedience. See, so many people leave off the obedience part. You, you, some, somewhere it stays astray. It's like, I'm going to bypass that obedience thing. I'll do obedience my way. It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> oh, man. I've tried the obedience my way. Them trees out there, I can go out there and pray and be with God as close as you can in that church. Oh, you can, can't you? Well, you're the fool. You know how I know you're a fool? Because I used to be a fool. You don't think I used to say that? Come on. I've been down that fool's road. You know, the church, we are the church. Everybody say, I'm the church. I'm the church. Everybody say, I'm the church. The building's not the church. You're the church. You don't want to come and be with the church, but you want to spend eternity in heaven with me. Woo, you silly. Obedience. Obedience. This is the one a lot of people are going to lack on. They're going to lack on a lot of them. But the obedience thing, that means obedience to give up the things God's asking you to give up. The, the sins, these little 
bitty sins that you hang on to. Somebody give me something. Just give me anything. Can I have that shoe? I love it. How many times I've done this? I love my pet sin. No, Jesus. You can have them all but this one. No. And you just hang on to it. Grab a hold of it. Love it. Hide it from Jesus if you can. But obedience says you give it up. Amen? Thank you. You give it up. I told you I was excited today. Corbin, would you hand that to Todd, please? Oh, I like that. You're teaching him. Yes, sir. Number six. The sixth key. Every bit as important as all the other keys. And this sixth key I'm going to talk about in this rest of this month quite a bit. It's called action. Amen? It's an action key. See, I, I've got my, my, my cross, and I believe in Jesus Christ, and, I, and I've picked up my own cross, and I'm praying, man, I am praying. Maybe not two hours and 40 minutes, but I'm praying, and I really am understanding the Word of God, and I am trusting Him with my life. And I've even stepped out in faith. I mean, I, taught it, I started teaching something at church, or I started, I started driving the bus. I did something that I never used to do before because I was going to trust Jesus. And faith, oh man, I've seen some impossible things become possible because I've acted on my faith. And I even gave up some of those sins in my life. And every time Jesus relates something to me, he says, I need you to give that one up too. I don't hesitate, I just give it up. Amen? Amen? So I become obedient with him. You want the seven keys? You want to have the best life ever? I don't know how to tell you what I'm telling you here. So the sixth key is action. It's action. So in other words, when I've got all these things down, God says, okay, what are you going to do with those keys, with all these things you're learning? He says, I've got something powerful for you. Now you're going to have to step out of the boat, get your faith right, get all these things right, but I got something powerful for you. I got a church in Nineveh, Indiana called Crossing. You don't know it yet, but you're going to open that up and lives are going to get changed over it. Not from you, you dummy, but from me, the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't call me dummy. I call myself dummy. He calls me servant, slave, and he calls me a lot of wonderful names. But see, I know who I am. Amen? I had a pastor one time in a meeting around he says that boy right there at Taylor he says he's comfortable in his own skin amen I'm comfortable in my own skin because I know my skin <laughs> without the Lord it's a bunch of wrinkles looking like a fool action action in other words get busy working with all the gifts that God's giving you amen action it's time to get busy Corbin would you hand this to Todd Thank you. There's a yes sir again. I really like that boy. The seventh one is the seventh is our we're on our seventh year here at the crossing. The seven is what? God's holy number, right? The perfect number, seven. So seven is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Seven is the Holy Spirit. Now, let me see. I got the cross. I got Jesus. I've got a relationship going on. We got it because of the prayer life. And I got that prayer life immediately. 
when he came into my life, I didn't hesitate to start praying. Although I was probably praying before that, but now it becomes so personal to me. I mean, now I'm really hearing my heart talk to me from God. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, some of you get a heart that cranks. You ever had that heart that cranks? It's like, oh, I don't want to be obedient, and your heart starts cranking. Nobody? Am I the only one? You know, come here, Corbin. Stand up, Corbin. Now, I'm going to touch you. Is that all right? Little Corbin, he's young. One, one day his heart's going to twist and twist and twist. And little Corbin's going to have the opportunity to give his life to God or let that heart keep twisting. You know what he'll do? He'll walk out the door and never come back because he won't change. Thank you, Corbin. The cross, the prayer, the trust, the faith, the obedience and the action all happen because of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Don't you ever underestimate the Holy Spirit in your life. And every time you think something's impossible, you're telling the Holy Spirit, the Lord, that he's not powerful enough for you. He's not powerful enough for you. Sometimes we just mess up. Braden, where are you, Braden? Braden, skip out. Hold your hand up, Braden. I warned him I was going to use him a little bit. Now, last summer sometime, Braden plays ball. He's 6'2". He's 191 pounds. He gained 2 inches and, what, 20 pounds in the last two months. The kid's a moose. He just turned 14. He's playing basketball. We were down on some league he was on up in Indy somewhere. And he's up there into the game. Game tied up. Boy, now you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Game tied up. Braden gets fouled, goes on the line to win the game. He gets two shots. He just got to make one. Brick. Pertinier breaks the rim. And he's, I got, got another shot at it. Got another shot at it. Game over. Oh, don't give him awe. He learned a good lesson. He learned a, he, he learned a good lesson. You know, that, that'd be with him the next life. You know what he's got to do? He's got to practice his foul shots. He can't quit. He can't give up. He's got to keep going. He's got to practice. See, just because you think your ministry's going haywire, hey, it's not going haywire. You just got to back up. Start over again. Am I telling you the truth or not? Hey, man, you just got to start over again. Let's get this right. Everybody all right with time? The Holy Spirit, he's in your life if the cross is in your life. He'll take control of your life. He'll lead your life. He'll make the impossible possible. Corbin, would you hand that to Todd? Thank you. Everybody give Corbin and Todd a hand. cross of Christ, the prayer, the trust, the faith, the obedience, the action in the Holy Spirit. You want the best day ever? The best life ever? Whew. What was Jesus trying to teach him that night in the storm of that night? What was he trying to teach him? That, that God wants to scare you to death? 
that God leaves you alone in your worst times? He was trying to teach them all these things. Amen? He was trying to teach them faith. They have trusted him. They don't know about the cross yet, but he, God's right there with them. Jesus is right there with them. He's trying to build their faith because he has so much more for their lives. That's just not the first or second or third miracle. They're going to continue to see miracles. And you know what the greatest miracle is of all to me? is seeing a person come to the Lord because that took the Lord Jesus Christ to die on a cross. Amen? He died on a cross. God became man, became flesh, so we can have a relationship with him. And he gives us all these wonderful, beautiful things. I'm debating on whether to stop right here or keep on going. You guys tell me what you want me to do. Okay, I will. You don't have to twist my arm. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. Woohoo! Man, oh, I want faith like that. Because, see, I know the sea. I know that rope's going to fall if I get on it. I know it. And I can see the thunder and the lightning. It's still going on. And I got to climb out of the boat. I got to get in that storm. And I got to go. And I got to go trusting in my Lord. I got to go in faith that he's going to hold me up. Oh, man. So he said, come. Back to 28 a little bit. Say out of the boat. Say it three times. Out of the boat. All right. Out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat. Amen? This church got to get out of the boat. We got to get out of the boat. We got to get going. We got, we got. on water. Well, I'll tell you what, this church is walking on water. Some of your missions are walking on water. Walking on water. Where did Jesus want Peter? Out of the boat. Say, where did Jesus want Peter? What did Jesus want Peter to do? 
walk on water. Except for the circumstances, isn't it the same thing with us? Better get my mic back to me. I can't stand this much longer. I got to walk. And Peter had come down out of the boat. Can you just imagine? You guys ever been in a boat? You guys, this lake's all over here. All you get in boats, you know. I don't do stuff gracefully. My knees don't work. I do stuff stiff-legged. So I can just imagine trying to call, help me get out of the boat, will you? Bill, I, I said, Bill, help me get out of the boat. Bill, I ain't going nowhere near the edge of that boat. Peter gets out of the boat. He climbs himself down in the, in the rough seas and the storms and the lightning. That hasn't stopped yet. Because Jesus wants him to have everything he needs. Because he's going to remember this for eternity. And we're going to see it for eternity. Amen? Amen. Verse 30. Let me go back here a little bit. It says, he walked on water to go to where? To Jesus. Don't ever, ever forget that. He was heading to Jesus. Thank you. Everybody hear me now? Everybody say thank you, Donna. What was the wind? What's the storms in your life? You better believe it. He's emphasizing it for us. To give us more of a clarity of what's taking place. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. He was afraid. Maybe the waves started flashing in his face and he got some water in his mouth, and maybe his eyes were starting to burn. I don't know. But something was taking place that was trying to steal the attention away. That's what storms do, aren't they? They try to steal your attention from Jesus. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Way to go, Corbin. Corbin knows it. Jesus lifted him up. In verse 31, it says, and immediately. Everybody say, and immediately. It's twice we've read immediately, isn't it? And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Immediately. Jesus knows how much you can take. And he's there to pick you up. In the worst storms of your life because he's taking you to the best life ever. And he says, oh, you have little faith. He's letting Peter know what he needs to work on, his faith. His faith. He wants, he wants Peter to have all these keys that he can have the best life ever. Now, Peter knows, just like when Braden missed his shots, he knows he has to go back with a foul shot. Peter knows that he needs that faith to be worked on. He's got to trust God more. He's got to get praying more. 
In 31 it says, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Everybody say doubt. In verse 32 it says, And when they got into the boat, the wind what? Everybody say ceased. It ceased. Jesus is with you. And when you recognize that he's with you, everything ceases. Amen? The storm ceases because the Lord is with you. You've got to trust him. In 2017, trust him. Don't trust man. Don't trust government. Don't trust anything but the Lord. We live in this world, but I'm not to be a part of it. I trust God. Verse 33, and we'll close. Then those who were in the boat came and what? Worshipped him. How many people got out of the boat that day? One. Thank you, Corbin. Corbin might be a preacher someday. One out of 12 got out of the boat. That's not very good odds, is it? I don't know how many people are getting out of the boat in this church, but we got to get everybody, as many people that want out of that boat, we got to get them out of the boat. We got to get this town turned from drugs and alcohol and darkness, from violence, from divorces, into the learning of understanding of who Jesus Christ is. That's our mission. That's our mission. In 33, it says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly you are what? The Son of God. I'm going to close. Brooke, come on up. I could probably preach all day. I had my haircut a few weeks ago. I got your mic, Brooke. My hair cut a few weeks ago, and this lady, sweet lady, cut my hair. And, and I always somehow try to get the conversation back to God. <clears throat> and so she started doing what a lot of people do, tell me about her life. Boyfriend, she's probably in her mid-20s. Alcoholic, abusive a little bit. And she got a, had to get away from him and move back home, I think, with her parents. She was heartbroken over it. The holidays were coming up. And I looked at her and I said, why are you settled for something like that? She told me she knew who God was. She told me she was saved. I said, why, why are you settled for something like that? Why would you settle for that? When I know my Lord has so much more for you, you're not going to change him. Only God changes him. Amen? Don't settle for this world. It will abuse you. It will destroy you. You get with God. And you start practicing these seven keys. And you'll hit every foul shot the rest of your life. Amen? I want to open the tables in a minute. If you belong to Jesus Christ, I mean, if he's your Savior, come and enjoy him, will you? Even if some of these keys you don't, you haven't acquired some of these keys yet, or some of these keys like that number six down or that obedience key you've kind of or number five rather the obedience key you've kind of shoved away well i'll tell you a place you can grab the hold of that key is right here at this altar 
This is the first day of 2017. Why on earth would you want to live without the Lord? I've done a lot of funerals this past year. I did more funerals than weddings. I don't want to do your funeral this year knowing you didn't know the Lord. That's the hardest funeral any pastor can do. I don't want to guess about it. I don't want to think, well, maybe so. That is tough on a pastor. But I leave it in the Lord's hands. Amen? Uh, some of you I know I'm going to spend eternity with. I know it without a doubt in my life. I don't know your heart, but I see your fruit. Some of you I don't know. I, you scare me to death. But yet you're the ones that should be scared. Let's stand and enjoy the Lord today. Best day ever, right? God has shown me the impossible is possible. You know what's special about me? Everybody say nothing. You know what's special about me? Everybody say it. Nothing. Except one thing. Jesus Christ. He makes everything special, doesn't he? Say amen. amen. Come and enjoy the Lord today. If you don't have one of these keys, don't settle for not having it. He'll give it to you. Open your heart. If you don't know the cross, if you have not accepted him, accept it in your life. Quit playing around. Have a life that the best life anyone could ever have. Get out on your rope and walk. But come and enjoy the Lord today.